the races just to be able to run with him. And that's huge for a good evangelical like me that is dedicated to serving God for him to say, you know what? I don't need your service. I need your love. I need your friendship. I need your sonship. The rest will take care of itself. And he's right. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our guest today is author and filmmaker Bill Myers, whose new book is titled The Jesus Experience. You'll meet Bill in just a moment. Before today's conversation, though, let me mention that our new iPhone iPad app for First Person is now available. We plan to release an Android version later, but you can download this new app for free and choose when to listen to First Person at your own convenience. So please check it out and download a free copy soon. Just search for First Person Interview in the Apple App Store. Also, you can read more about each guest and interview on our website, firstpersoninterview.com, and you can leave comments at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Bill Myers is a best-selling author and award-winning filmmaker with his books and videos selling over 8 million worldwide. But it's not his accomplishments he talks to us about today. It's what he's learned about what it means to follow Jesus with a deeper love and friendship with Christ. His book is titled The Jesus Experience, and we began talking about what on the surface seems to be an unorthodox life. Well, yeah, that wasn't my intention. I pretty much grew up in an Aussie and Harriet Leave It to Beaver world, and then uh, I got really bored with uh, Christianity uh, when I was in high school. And a friend came up to me and he said, your problem is uh, you're only part of a Christian. You know, you, you got the salvation part, but you're clueless about Lord. He said, I'll make you a bet if you promise always to say yes to God, always, 100% of the time, regardless of how stupid you feel or how you suspect he may not know what's going on, uh, your life will be anything but, but normal or boring. So I, I was young and stupid and naive and made that <laughs> promise, and it, it has been Mr. Toad's wild ride ever since. <laughs> So I get the impression, though, that, I mean, you, you really have fun along the way, but there have been some interesting detours, not, maybe not detours, but interesting episodes along the way. Yeah, um, and it is. You know, it, it's, uh, when you're living that type of life, you're, you're always sure God's going to drop you. He, he never has yet, but, you know, the day's still young. <laughs> he just, uh, it, it's just been a remarkable, you know, I was going to be a dentist, uh, but because I made that promise, one thing led to another. I saw the fourth movie of my life in college. I'd seen uh, The Parent Trap and Pinocchio and Pollyanna. <laughs> and then I was watching The Godfather. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I left that theater just telling God he'd better wake up and raise somebody up in the media hmm. business. And every time I told him what he had to do, it sort of bounced back at me. And I changed my major, became a film uh a film student. Oh, and, and another one of God's uh, senses of humor show up when um, the communication part of my brain is um, is miswired. They've run some tests on me, and they said, you know, yeah, it just it, it's you don't work like regular people. You'll never. I've never been able to learn a foreign language. Um, and so you know, who else would be a person that you choose to write? 125 books uh, than somebody that doesn't know how to write, that got C's and D's in his one writing class in college. So it's almost like every time I tell the Lord, you know, no offense, but this time you're way over your head. Yeah, It's like he rises to the occasion and says, oh, yeah, bub, watch this one. Yeah. <laughs> and from Pollyanna to the Godfather, I mean, yeah. wow, that, that's quite a transition. What, what was it about the Godfather that convinced you something needed to be done? 
my uh, classmates uh, were all standing up and cheering at the end when people were getting massacred. And I just thought, gracious me, there's such power here to get people excited about murder. Imagine what you could do to get them excited about you, Hmm. Lord. Hmm. Again, because of the language miswiring my head, the only school that would take me was in Rome, Italy. Uh, Newsflash, they don't speak English in (laughs) Rome, Italy. So it's it's just been, been an adventure. Yes, it's been scary sometimes, and yes, it's like, well, Lord, are you sure? You're awake right now? Yeah, well, when you decided, you write about this in your book, when you decided you wanted to be this big-time writer, producer, director kind of guy, (laughs) uh, it didn't exactly go so well at first. Well, what he had to do is he had to strip me away, strip away all my need to be loved and adored by just about anybody uh, but him, because it, it... you know, he made it really clear to me, no, I love you, and I adore you, and, and that'll be enough. Mm. And uh, it took a while to learn that, and there's, you know, there's always that wonderful death of a vision and, and uh, just that death of flesh that yeah. goes on, and yeah. still does. <sighs> I would recommend it to anybody. I've, I've only got one life to live. Why wreck it by trying to do it my way? We're going to get deeper into the Jesus experience and uh, find out more about that. But i, I got to ask you about a few fun facts in the book that I picked up. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, you wrote about them, so it's fair game, right? <laughs> it is. I'm afraid so. I want to hear about this self-baptism episode. Oh, well, I, I really didn't grow up in a Christian family. Uh, I mean, we did the Christmas and Easter thing on Sundays, but I fell in love with reading the Bible in about junior high. I know that's pretty weird, I, and I had to kind of disguise it, you know, because you know I was cool and, and <laughs> hip, so while all my friends are hiding, you know, Playboy under the mattress, I'm busy uh, hiding the New Testament. <sighs> So I, I, I just I read it and read it and read it and thought, well, this baptism thing needs to be done, and I, I don't quite get church yet. And I had a real come to Jesus, a literal come to Jesus moment in, in college again, uh, and kind of <clears throat> broke into the University Presbyterian Church at the University of Washington and uh, found there was some water in the baptismal font. So I um, you wait a minute, you you broke in. <laughs> Well, the door was slightly ajar. Okay, so it was their fault um, for leaving it unlocked, I guess. Well, it. I, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that, so yeah, <laughs> oh, it, it, okay. it, it was slightly ajar. I see where this is going. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, so no, gracious me, I'm surprised that I even wrote that. Yeah, yeah um, but it was, it was, um, yes, and, and you know, I went back and did it the right way a few years later okay, with, good. with a real pastor and everything, but <laughs> it was it was just... Um, yeah, out of the box. Again, pretty much how I keep living by accident. Yeah. Well, you know, as I read your book, The Jesus Experience, uh, it's the most conversational book I think I've ever read. I mean, it was just like uh-huh. sitting there and, and having a conversation with somebody who was telling me their life story. And I mean, I, I'm sure that's your style of writing, but it, it's very effective. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I've, I've tried to sound uh, intellectual and stuffy, but it never quite comes out <laughs> no, right. No, right. Okay, but I got to ask you about the whole episode of determining how to find a wife. And we'll get oh, into the deeper man. stuff in a moment, but you you got to tell me about, give everyone listening advice on how you went about finding a wife. <laughs> Gracious me, it sounds like I should have upped my medication before I wrote that book. <laughs> well, now, in all fairness, I read a pre-release copy, so maybe your oh. editor caught up with you eventually, I don't know. <laughs> well, um, I, marriage was important to me. I saw the importance of marriage in Scripture, so I figured, you know, come on, Lord, I'm 18 years old, I should be married now. 
<clears throat> yeah, I know. And um, so I'm at the University of Washington, and I know that I can't go to all the social events that the 55 kids on my dorm floor could go to, so I just kind of made out a list of what I was looking for in a wife. I, I made a point not to tell Brenda that until we were, you know, suitably in love with each <laughs> good, other. Good idea, right? Yeah, and, and about uh, four months later, one of the guys comes to the door, knocks on my door, Saturday morning says, I found her. And she, uh, he came in with the list, and uh, she uh, qualified. <laughs> Come on, I was eighteen. Give me a break. I don't want to. I don't want to know what was on the list, but um, but eventually well, you, you know, did fall in love. I, I knew she was the one. The first moment I saw her, I don't know what I did to convince her to fall for me, but eventually, I guess I just wore her out. So she finally said, "Okay, fine, oh, we'll get married." That was uh, forty years ago. Yeah. Well, we've had some fun uh, here, and I, I, I do want to take a turn, though, because in, in writing the Jesus experience, some great stories in here, obviously, but it all is told for a purpose, right? I just wanted—I'm a little concerned. I, I mentor college kids uh, and high school kids, and I was just, I'm just—I'm concerned about the way uh, we've replaced intimacy with Christ, the way we've replaced that with— um, with dogma, the way we've replaced that with religion, the way we've we feel that we that somehow the great commission has uh, trumped the great commandment to love, and so what what the Jesus experience is about is all about that. How to return to the first love that's mentioned uh, in the letter to Ephesus? How to fall back in love with Christ? You know, the good works follow, but it's. It's that way. You fall in love first. I, I empty the cat box for my wife because I love her, not because it's in my wedding. You know, what other reason would you give, right? Yeah. <laughs> but 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 we've turned we've turned Christianity in many ways into that. You know, I need to do these things, and and Jesus said, you know, it all comes down to loving me with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. And, you know, again, newsflash, Myers, you can't even do that. And I, 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 we've turned Christianity into this philosophy uh, that has nothing to do with, with the intimacy that, that Christ called us to. You know, we, I got this idea that, you know, I'm, I was going to do all these great things for God, and, you know, and, and that's as it should be. And, and about, well, the book really was birthed. I was sitting uh, with the Lord in the, in the morning, uh, having my cup of coffee with Him, and I got this really strong impression. I, I didn't hear any audibles or anything like that, but it was, Son, if I were to put you in a coma, and you couldn't talk to anybody about me, you couldn't serve me, you couldn't write about me, all you could do would be hang out with me. Would I be enough for you? Mm. And that question i just ducked and weaved and dodged for about six weeks until finally i had to come clean i had to say no lord i love you but you would not be enough and uh then we went up to this whole different level of intimacy and and laying down the good christian works to give god the only thing he can't give himself and that's my friendship mm-hmm. Uh, so we've, the past four years has just been a real deepening, a real, uh, the projects that I do for him are no longer to get 
them to succeed, but they're to hang out with him. So it's a father-son project instead of, so instead of getting the trophy, the race is just to be able to run with him. And that's huge for, for a good evangelical like me that is dedicated to serving God for him to say, you know what? I don't need your service. I need your love. I need your friendship. I need your sonship. The rest will take care of itself. And he's right. The fruit I've borne in the past four or five years has been more than the rest of my life combined. But that's only because I keep looking to the vine and I keep drawing deeper and deeper and deeper into him. Uh, and it, it's nobody told me that that's what the life with Christ was supposed to be. We're talking with Bill Myers today, the author of The Jesus Experience, and we'll have the second half of today's conversation in just a moment. This program is produced each week with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, proclaiming Christ to the world by radio. If you would like to know more about the new radio program, FEBC Today with Ed Cannon, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and follow the links to FEBC Today. Every day, Ed and I bring you stories of lives changed by the gospel through FEBC. Learn more about FEBC today at firstpersoninterview.com. My first person guest today is Bill Myers. Bill is an experienced author, filmmaker, and so much more. His book recently released is called The Jesus Experience, journey deeper into the heart of God. And, and uh, we've been talking about this matter of, you know, turning our relationship with Christ into a duty instead of it being a devotion, uh, a committed devotion to, to Christ and just being his friend. Um, I'm going to do something I've never done before, Bill. I'm going to read a paragraph of your book or two here. Uh, this, this comes at the very end of your book. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope I'm not giving anything away. But uh, you say, today my faith is more than theory. Today I would die for him in a heartbeat, let alone serve however he asks. Not because I have to, not because I'm some great man of God, but because I'm so in love with him that I can't help myself. This is not a love manufactured through religion or programs or works. It is a love that comes simply from abiding in God's presence. And from that abiding, I absorb his overwhelming passion for myself and for others. A passion so great that even when I try, I can't prevent it from overflowing and spilling out on the whole world. Wow. What a way to describe a relationship with Christ. Yeah. And it's, it's not because I'm a great philosopher or writer. It's just because it's true. You know, so many of my, um, as you can imagine, I have a lot of pastor friends and various people that are, you know, uh, way up the food chain as far as Christian service goes. Mm-hmm. And, um, so many of them are burnt out or just going through the motions because it's like they're they're burning the wick, the wick of themselves, instead of saturating themselves in his oil, instead of saturating themselves in his presence, and then, you know, drawing that oil up through the wick and burning the oil, they're burning themselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, five, you can fake it for 5, 10, 20 years, uh, but eventually you're going to burn out if you're burning yourself instead of instead of the oil of his spirit saturating you. I was struck w- with the honesty of your book, Bill. Um, you say the keys to your success have been that you're a coward, you're a crybaby, and you're unqualified. 
Yeah, in other, in other, in other words, Christ, you have to be broken to have that kind of relationship with Christ in a way, don't you? Uh, yeah, you, you do. And, and that brokenness is, again, is just his gentle, his gentle love saying, you know, son, you're going to kill yourself doing this, so I'm, I'm, this is going to hurt for a little bit, but we have, to, we have to carve this away because, you know, that cancer of religion will consume you. And in Revelation 2, uh, chapter 1, when Jesus has his letter to the folks in Ephesus, he says, I know your good works. You've done all these things. You know, I'm so proud of you guys. You know, Christians are being killed left and right, and you've persevered. Uh, but I've got this against you. You've, you've left your love. You've left your love for me. You left your first love. And, and the interesting thing about Ephesus, as with all seven letters in Revelation, there's a geographical connection to the spiritual connection. Ephesus was a wonderful port city. Uh, it was thriving. It was, it was one, a great place of commerce. And uh, the, the fertile, good soil from the hills washed into the river, the river washed into the bay, and eventually that bay was clogged up and choked because of the good soil. And today when you go to Ephesus, you can't even find the ocean. You can't even find the water. It killed the city. Good soil killed the city. That's not to say the soil wasn't good, but it killed the city because, because it choked it out. And I think we do that with our with well-intentioned Christianity. We're so busy doing good that it chokes out our love. Bill, as you begin to experience Jesus in this way the last few years, uh, how has it uh, changed or affected your relationships with people? As a evangelical, as somebody that uh, loves to serve God and loves to tell people about the Lord, Somewhere in the back of my mind, I started seeing people as trophies. I started seeing people as either they're going to be for me as far as getting the gospel out, or they're going to oppose me. I started seeing them as things instead of Christ's beloved. So if a person opposed me as I'm talking about the gospel, I discounted them. If a person embraced the gospel, I esteemed them. And it... People, people became things. Uh, if they would help me proclaim the gospel, yes, come on board. If they blocked me, go away. And that is not how Christ thinks. Hmm. How do you cultivate this Jesus experience in your life? I know you write in your book about that, that special place you go to every day. Is, is, is that key for you? It really is. It really is. You know, at least 18 times in Scripture, one way or another, you and I are referred to as Christ's bride. You know, not as the old lady, not as the wife, not as the old ball and chain, but as the bride. You know, with the same ardor that a groom has for his bride on their wedding night. So I keep going back to that relationship, and it has nothing to do with me doing things for him. Uh, It has to do with me just as with my wife, spending time in her presence, having a cup of coffee with her, asking her how her day went, her listening to me, and just that intimate relationship. And that's what grows. I mean, if I only spoke to my wife (laughs) every Sunday for an hour, uh, our marriage would be bankrupt. And it's the same thing with with my marriage with Christ. 
um, I need to, and now want to, spend time with him every day. And that's how the love flourishes. The love flourishes by communication, by, by talking with him, uh, adoring him, and then just being quiet and, and reading a little bit of scripture and seeing if there's something he wants to say in that to me or, or looking around at his creation. Or, and this is new for me, looking at people as people that he adores. Uh, so I even see, see the love of Christ in people now. Boy, that's pretty radical thinking. It really is. A... Yeah, and I did nothing <laughs> except hang out <laughs> yeah. with the radical thinker. Yeah. How do you read the Bible differently, or how does the Word speak to you differently than it ever did before? I've written some Bible commentaries, and I've, I've got a, a doctorate in theology or, and stuff, and, and that's good. Studying Scripture like that is good. But my favorite way of studying Scripture is just reading uh, three, four lines and, and just chewing on them and, and letting the, letting to see if the Holy Spirit says wants to release any flavor in those verses, uh, any uh, <laughs> nutrients for my soul. Uh, so I, I don't... There are times to study Scripture diligently, but there's also times just to curl up and read three or four or five verses uh, and read them and reread them and just chew on them and, and, and see what, what flavors uh, start to come from them. Read them slowly, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of us identify with uh, a particular Bible character, someone that we admire in Scripture. You have a rather interesting choice for <laughs> Shall I put it that way? Interesting choice. Tell me, tell me about your, um, the, the well, person that you yeah. look as your role model in Scripture. Yeah, everybody has a role model, needs a role model, right? It could be Moses, it could be Joseph or Paul. Uh, my role model in the Bible is Balaam's donkey. Because I know if God can use a donkey, I qualify. No sweat. You know, I don't have to be anything except, except uh, well, I'd like to use a King James Version, but we'll stick yeah, with yeah, the Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, donkey. Sure. <laughs> we all know what you mean. Yeah. And he loves me anyway. It's, I think... I really do think God has a tremendous sense of humor, and I'm not trying to be catty or trying to be clever. I think, you know, Scripture says he sings over us. Mm. He sings over us. Well, I'm sure he laughs over us, too, not yeah. not belittling, but just the sheer joy of seeing us <laughs> stumbling around. <laughs> How and, could he not? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's just it, it's just such, such love, such love for, for us that he has. Well, the lessons Bill Myers has learned about experiencing a deeper connection with Jesus are something we can learn from as we follow the Lord. You can find out more about his book, The Jesus Experience, at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. And leave a comment at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. If you use an iPad or iPhone, please consider downloading our free new first-person app, giving you access to each week's interview online. You can listen to and or download any first-person program by using this new convenient app right on your iPhone or iPad. Next week, a couple of guests will join us, including Bill Hybels, to talk about the upcoming National Global Leadership Summit. First Person is produced with the assistance of the Far East Broadcasting Company. And now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next week at this time for First Person. First Person.